Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Tyrone Ross Jr. Tyrone, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Let's go. Excellent. Let's do this. Tyrone is the managing partner at Noble Bridge Wealth and Asset Management Services, as well as an early stage startup and crypto asset advisor. I'm excited to have you on. Tyrone, tell yeah. us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I am born and raised in central New Jersey, um, where I uh, went to high school in Metuchen, New Jersey, um, and went on um, to get a full scholarship to run track at Georgia Tech. Nice. Um, yeah, after, well, yeah, it was nice. <laughs> it's the next <laughs> part of the story. Um, I ended up getting kicked out of Georgia Tech twice, lost my scholarship. Um, was blessed enough to get another scholarship to finish up at Seton Hall, um, where I also went to graduate school. And that is where a professor suggested that I, wor- I uh, work on Wall Street. And he helped me walk onto Wall Street to 26 years old, never taking a business class, never taking an economics class, a finance class, or knowing anything about Wall Street. And 13 years later, here I am as a partner at a registered investment advisor. Um, after various stints at Merrill Lynch, uh, Morgan Stanley, and uh, an investor relations firm that was called Financial Dynamics, which is where the first place um, where I actually, you know, got introduced to Wall Street. So it's been quite the uh, circuitous route, um, but here now, and um, I've kind of I left Merrill roughly 16 months ago. Wanted to put my stake in the ground now as a crypto assets and uh, early stage startup advisor um, at the behest of Howard Lindzen, who is a very successful um, investor who I followed on Twitter, took his advice. And here I am. The last 16 months have just been a complete blessing. And um, I've been able to work with clients that want to work with me. I get to choose a little bit. They're, They're very much into a tech driven um, relationship, an advice-driven relationship, and they're embracing what I believe is the next stage of financial services in the world, which is digital assets. Awesome. Well, there's a lot of good stuff there for us to talk about, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what what it was that uh, happened you got kicked out of school. So I was the first one in my family to finish high school. So college was kind of like a dream. I always joke with people, if you came to my high school graduation, you would have thought I got my PhD. It was a a really big deal. So I just, I mean, I was 17 years old. I'd never been away from home. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. So I just, I just didn't go to class. This is the best way to put it. Um, I was completely kicked out. Yes. A very good way to get kicked out. So, um, and because I, I mean, Georgia Tech is very hard to get into, but it's even harder to get out of. And the classes were just crazy. And I'm like, well, instead of just sitting here struggling with organic chemistry, I won't go. Um, so I finished my first year with like a one seven or something like that. I don't know. Um, and then I, I had to reapply and and got back in and just couldn't catch it. And, you know, I, I, I believe when I left there that my GPA was right somewhere around a 1.0 or something like that. So it was bad. I just didn't go to class. 
Um, and I was in Atlanta. I had never been away from home, and it was parties every weekend or sure. whatever. So I just found that more appealing than <laughs> <laughs> doing what I was paid to go down there to do. So, yeah. Well, I, I think that we all, all can empathize as all having been young people at one point in time. So yeah, yeah. right on. But you find your way to Seton Hall and uh, and had a successful track career. And then yeah. somebody saw it in you. Well, just that, that's, that's what the next thing I was curious about. What do you think that it was that this person saw in you that said, you know what, Wall Street's a good fit for you? You know what? I've been asked that. And all that I remember um, – him say it was two things and one that I've I'm still trying to find out if it's true or not um and the other is is I've I've been able to make away from myself the other was I was really great at presenting information um so there was a lot of projects and stuff and all the really smart people would do all of the deep analytical work and they would have me present it um and we would always do very well in our projects and the other thing he said was he's like you you seem to have a very analytical brain in terms of getting data and finding the data points that match. Like I'm not necessarily the person that can go and grab data and all of that, but I can pull the right pieces from it and, and get it to relate to people um, and have some, some great narrative and talking points around it. And he was like, I think that's going to translate well um, in, you know, on wall street. But he, he originally said, you know, it's somewhere maybe like a hedge fund or something like that. So he was like, well, so you could actually have really smart people pull the data and you could communicate it to investors or whatever. So that was his initial thing. And that's exactly where I ended up, like in an investor relations firm, just which is PR with numbers, but just being able to write press releases and things like that. So I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, right. But, you know, here, here we are, uh, you know, 13 years later, it's, 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 a ble- it's been nothing but a blessing. Life's a funny thing, right? So, and obviously, whenever somebody gets to a, a stage like a, a Division One athlete, and um, I think that you even took it a little bit further with, with, uh, with track and field, you were highly successful. I think that those skills probably, uh, probably apply in other areas of life as well. So, excellent. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, what is it about um, about the early stage startups and the crypto assets that is such of, of such great interest to you? Great question. So I think as a traditional financial advisor, I just find traditional assets boring. Uh, I just think stocks and bonds and it was just very boring. But more importantly, I think what I found fascinating was my clients were younger and this is where they were. And if I was going to grow with them, if I was going to service them, if I was going to, you know, execute my fiduciary duty to the fullest, I had to embrace that. So being at a financial legacy institution like Merrill Lynch, they're used to working with older folks who are rich and then saying, don't lose me money. It's a whole different scenario of when you're working with those that are young, that are entrepreneurial, that are in the accumulation phase of their lives, especially talking about early stage startups and early stage companies where they they are brilliant. They have a great idea, but they don't know anything about business. So to help them understand how to grow a business, to understand the nuances of how to raise capital, of how to sell correctly um, how to manage money, how to hire, all of those things were really, really fascinating. And no other financial advisor was doing that. As far as crypto assets go, which is probably my biggest passion right now, is I'm a, I, FinTech brought me to 
you know, uh, crypto assets, financial technology, which is just simply the decoupling of traditional financial services. So being able to send money on your phone, um, you know, transfer money from country to country, peer to peer lending, whatever the case may be. So I just truly believe that this is the future of money and this is the future of financial services. And I think gentlemen like myself and young you know, women like myself are going to morph into financial consultants where young folks are going to manage their whole lives from their phone, but they're going to reach out to us when they have really difficult questions or they want advice and guidance around how to help their family, how to handle an inheritance. They sold a home and then what do they do next? Tax implications, estate planning, really the things that we do, we should do and we're really good at. So that was really it. And I wanted to and and just to, you know, I hate to take this route, but it's just the truth. As a black man in financial services and on Wall Street, it's very hard for us. So if you are a generalist, you won't make it. You have to find a specialty and, and have expertise in a particular area because you're not taken seriously as an advisor of color if you're a jack of all trades. It's sad, but it's just the truth. And it's just, the, that's how Wall Street is set up. It's still very racist. Um, it's still, you know, very xenophobic. It's still just, it's, it, nothing has changed on Wall Street except the date. Um, so I think in order to have success as a man of color, which, I've, which I had to learn struggling at traditional institutions, once I had my own path and I, and I was able to be at my own firm, I was like, I'm going to specialize and I'm going to go into an area that's new, where if you look at those two spaces, there aren't it, it's it, it isn't as much uh, bigotry yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and you're able and you're able to you're able to to put your foot in the ground and, and you know, develop some really great connections. And more importantly, I do it because it's what my clients wanted and needed. Um, and I have a passion around it. So so it all fits. Well, necessity does breed innovation, so I, I, I appreciate you doing what you need to to, uh, to to make your way and and to best serve your clients. So I, I appreciate that. Thank um, you. I appreciate you. And I think that I think you're 100 percent right. Where where technology is obviously disrupting and influencing every aspect of our lives, and certainly with money and you know those traditional asset management type roles or jobs. For just from my perspective, I think are going to be fewer and fewer with artificial intelligence and things like that. So it's going mm-hmm. to be incumbent on you and, and me and, and other financial professionals to actually be the person who people call for advice, not just about their investments, but about everything else. So I appreciate 100%. that. One hundred percent. A couple parts or a couple of areas on your website talked about goals based uh, relationships, goals-based mm-hmm. investing, um, things like that. So I just wanted to, to to get your take on what that means to you and in your client relationships. So to me, here's the thing. One of the things that I always ask people when they sit with me, whether it's a prospect or whether it's an actual client that you got to rehearse these things, what is your relationship with money? Um, I, I, I had a, a difficult upbringing. We didn't have much money. It was a struggle. So I always give advice and, and get people to think from that lens because I realize how much of a mental shift that I had to make. And when your goal is just simply to make it to the end of the week with $20, that's a financial goal, 
right? When the goal is, okay, we have 14 days until we get evicted. How do we transition to getting stuff in storage, finding somewhere else to live, and then still being able to eat? That's a financial goal. Right. So scaling that now, what I try and get people to do is goals-based planning to me is simply what is it that we need to make sure you do day in, day out to make sure that the needs of your family is met? Basic needs, short term, medium term. What do we need to do every single day or be on track for to make sure that what you need to do to make it to the next stage of your career? Again, because I'm looking at I'm dealing with younger clients, right? If your company gets bought out and you have a certain set of stock options or whatever the case may be, if you have kids that you want to go to private school, if you and your wife want to move from an apartment to a home for the first time, what do we need to do to make sure those things happen as well as always reminding ourselves that we need to keep the basics taken care of? That is just the scarcity and fear in my brain of always having the necessities taken care of. And my clients will tell you that. I beat that drum all of the time. And and I think that's a value add based on where I come from because I didn't just walk into abundance. The last bucket is long-term, right? So what is your goal longer term? And I always try and get my clients to have a number. What is that number? What do you want to be worth? What do you want to have in a bank? Where do you want to live? What is your ideal scenario? And let's work towards that. It's never a retirement goal because that's going to change, right? I think retirement for, for those that are, I believe, 40 and under is dead. It's, it's going to be a working retirement. I think it's going to be a situation where we're going to live longer. So all of these financial planning uh, tools where they cut it off at 95 is a joke, right? That's going to have to be changed. Healthcare is going to get better. And I think more importantly, if you look at this generation, they're driven and we haven't even gotten to Gen Z, but they're very driven by goals and purpose. So they're going to be pretty much in and out of jobs their whole lives and taking sabbaticals and coming back and starting companies and selling companies and, and you know, maybe taking some time to do some philanthropic things and traveling in the world and then coming back and starting a company again. So how do we just throw in stuff into this financial planning tool and say, well, Mr. Jones, if you do 4%, <laughs> they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a moving target. So I think a goals-based relationship is, I think the main thing is having the goal to always come back and reassess where your clients are. So that's kind of how I look at goals-based planning. It's a little, it's a little different from what we normally hear, but I think I've, I've had to make that adjustment um, based on, again, how I give advice as an advisor and, and, and my influences and then also where my clients are, what they're looking to do. I like it. And I think it's so important to meet people wherever they are, you know, wherever you're meeting them, help them uh, get to where they want to go. Do you find that, that people need a little bit of help or when, when you ask them, what's your relationship with money? Is that something that they've, that they've commonly thought about or do you need to sort of help them peel back the layers of that onion definitely need the help i don't i don't think people think about it i don't think they it's something that they ever you know uh, thought about or had to address in their lives because think about it there's a few things that are taboo to talk about we don't talk about to our friends and you know right about wh- how much you make or what your bonus was or whatever or what are you struggling with can you pay your bills or whatever so we don't talk about those things but i think if people really peel back the layers, right? And I have them do that is 
Well, let's talk about it. Was the, when when money comes up, what's the first thing you think about, right? Did your did your parents take you to the bank and teach you how to write checks? And did you have savings bonds and all these other things? But I think it's fascinating, by the way. I had no <laughs> I had no experience <laughs> of that, but I think those things are great. I, I really do. But you know, I, if if you have that, then that means that once you it, it, it's if it, it means you've never wor- had to worry about money, which isn't necessarily a good thing because now you have a certain amount of success and you don't value it. It's not something it's it's in one hand and out the other. Right. Um, so a lot of clients and I say this to kids when I speak to them is most of the people that live paycheck to paycheck make six figures, but they spend like they are they have seven figures. Right. So right. it's very important. And I see this all the time. So what I tell people, and I don't want to get into it too much because I want to save it for your last question, but I always try and tell them, have a good idea. I don't care what you make or what you do or how successful you are. Have a good idea of what your relationship with money is, right? And and what is that? And is it healthy? Are you are you you know are you driven by money again? absolutely fine. I'm okay with that. But let's just get to the bottom of it. When you get it, are you scared that it's not enough or it's never going to be enough or you're, you're really, because on the flip side of that, you have people who just hoard cash and they don't invest it and they don't do anything with it. But it's like, no, no, especially people of color, black and brown folks love love to see money. (laughs) We love to see it. We love to actually hold it and we love to wear it and we love to, you know, we love to show it. But we don't trust banks and we inherently, I did it. When I first got my hands on money, I bought jewelry, I bought cars and and clothes and all types of stupid stuff. But that's just the truth. Black and brown folks have an aversion to banks and, and rightfully so because banks don't care for that population as a whole. So if, if you're on that side of, okay, well, I just have all this money saved or, or and I and, and and I can double down. I came from a black Caribbean household, right? So my dad is Guyanese. So Caribbean folks, I mean, money is in your hand. It's in your pocket. It's literally under the couch. It's in, you know, it's somewhere in a can. It's in a, a medicine container. Like it's everywhere. But you don't. You, it, it, it's not about the bank. It's about having that money on you. So. Long story short, I just think, yeah, it's helping it's helping people sit and understand, well, what does that mean? Like, what is your background? Because that matters. And I think in traditional Wall Street, the financial advisors don't even think about that. So if a 60-year-old white male is sitting with a 40-year-old Haitian immigrant and you're giving them the regular rundown, that's not going to work, my man. If a, if a, 40, <laughs> if a, if a 39-year-old African-American advisor who came from a Caribbean household is sitting with a 50-year-old Jewish couple, that's probably not going to work well, right? There's some, there's some things there that aren't, there's, the, there's a disconnect, which I think one of the things that's funny about Wall Street is you, it's, it's okay to address some things. If you have a very diverse uh, advisor group, which they don't, but if you did, it would make sense that if there were, a, a group going after a particular segment of the population that your advisor base should look like those people because I'm going to be more comfortable with an advisor who looks, walks, and talks like me, right? And there's been studies that shown that they've asked African-American people, who would you rather have invest your money, 
a black advisor or a white advisor? And they've, the majority answered a white advisor. You know what that means? That means that we've been marketed to so much by the gray-haired white guy on the news that everyone <laughs> thinks that that, right? Or when we turn into CNBC, that that's the guy that's supposed to help us. Not a Hispanic, not an Indian, not an Asian, you know, not a black, just a gray-haired white man. And, and, and again, just to finish that point, there's a place for that. And I think also there's a place for someone to say, hey, I want a Hispanic woman, right? Or I want a, in a, uh, someone in, in, your, um, in, in, in your firm or wherever to work with me. I'm a, I'm a, a gay male and, and, me, and me and my partner are looking for an advisor that is very familiar with our day-to-day or whatever. That's where I think Wall Street needs to go. They're very, 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 very timid about getting there. Um, but I think those are the things that I think needs to be addressed and it allows us to give better and more holistic advice. So, you know, just, and I know I, I veered off a little bit there, but I think it, it just comes full circle in terms of, you know, looking at people's relationship with money and a lot has a lot to do with how you were raised, right? A lot to do with where you come from, a lot to do with your religion, you know, a, a, a lot to do with the community that you're in. And if you're, if, if an advisor is ignorant to that, again, you fail in your fiduciary duty. Yeah, I think that those are all 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 very good and and valid uh, thoughts and insights. And I think you touched on we're not really comfortable with talking about money. And if we're not in a if, if we're not in a conversation or an interaction with somebody who makes us feel comfortable, uh, then we're not going to be effective as an advisor and as a client. You're not going to get out of the relationship what you really need to get on the path that, 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 that you need to be on. So, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Tyrone, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Difference-making tip. Know to the dime how much money you need to live at the end of every month. I say it to every single person. I don't care about all of the other fancy, dancy, hooey-pooey, hopium stuff that's put into the solar system. At the end of every month, and again, I'm just speaking from a subset of, uh, of the clients that I look at and just those that in general. If you, if you take someone and you knock them out and they're unconscious for 10 years and you wake them back up, they'll be able to tell you what their rent was and what their mortgage payment was, right? We're very familiar with knowing our debts. right? Right. But what we spend seems to be this big mystery. Right. Or what we save tends to be this big mystery. No one could tell you that to the dime. What do you save every single month? Right. What do you spend every single month? What do you need to live off of every single month? And I promise you, if you know those things, those three things to the letter, to the dime, that you will be able to capitalize on all of the seven steps to wellness and, and the, the 10 steps to be rich like Warren Buffett that everyone tells you that you should do, if you can't do those three things, you will have a very hard time being successful financially. Well, that is for sure great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, <laughs> Tyron, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Learn more about me. You can find me. So I do a lot of my rambling um, on Twitter. I, I, I live there. Um, it's at TR401. And you can follow me um, on LinkedIn as well, Tyrone Ross Jr. If you put it, um, 
my name and LinkedIn. I'll come up Noble Bridge um, Asset Wealth Management. You can find me there and then my page is public. So everything is there. Our website, my email, everything. But those are the two places where I put the majority of my ramblings and there'll be some some other things coming in 2019 that I can't really talk about right now, but I'm excited um, just to put more content out for the people. And uh, more importantly, and I and I'm, I'm I feel bad about this because I, I make sure every opportunity that I get, I say this, I usually make sure at the beginning, but I'm going to say it now. I'm truly humbled and grateful to you um, for sharing your platform with me. Um, that means a lot to me. And I usually try and make sure I get that out at the beginning so I don't forget. But I just remembered um, I really mean that because there's a lot of really smart people. Um, and for you to give me an opportunity and with an audience that you've cultivated and you've worked hard to curate, um, I'm grateful and I'm appreciative. And, um, you know, all, all the best to you. And, and hopefully your listeners take something from this that they can improve upon in their financial lives. So thank you, George. I appreciate you. Well, I, you're very welcome. And, and I appreciate you taking the time. So. And Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Tyrone your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find him on Twitter at TR401. Find him on LinkedIn. And then from LinkedIn, you can uh, check out his website and you can shoot him an email um, and look for what he's got coming in 2019. Thank you again, Tyrone. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!